welcome to the APUSH Files, the audio archive for honors history students at Boston Spa High School. For today's file, I'll be sharing an essay posted by the Bill of Rights Institute on the Ku Klux Klan in the 1920s. For a direct link to the essay and source citations, please visit the show notes. During the 1920s, cultural conflict and modernization helped resuscitate the Ku Klux Klan. Whereas the original KKK was a violent, racist organization born in the post-Civil War South, the modern Klan was driven by somewhat different concerns. Many white, lower-middle-class Protestant Americans in the North and Midwest were fearful that immigrants were changing traditional American culture, and they responded with anti-Catholicism and anti-Semitism. The revival of the Klan was inspired by Birth of a Nation director D.W. Griffin's violently anti-black blockbuster film of 1915 that promoted the Southern Lost Cause view of the Civil War. The movie was one of the most controversial films ever made and was based on the 1905 novel The Klansman by Thomas Dixon Jr. On Thanksgiving Day 1915, Colonel William J. Simmons and a few friends burned a cross on Stone Mountain near Atlanta to signal the revival of the Klan as one of many fraternal groups, but it hearkened to an earlier Ku Klux Klan that often fought violently against the rights of freed African Americans in the post-Civil War Reconstruction South. The new Klan retained its namesake's antipathy towards black and its penchants for secrecy, the wearing of masks, and sheet-like outfits in vigilante-style violence. It also employed a special terminology for members, inventing words that began with the letter K, such as Chlorin, its handbook, Clavern, a local branch, and Clud, a chaplain. It charged $10 to join, of which recruiters got a cut, and held a monopoly of selling Klan uniforms and regalia to its members. As KKK membership grew into the millions by the early 1920s, the money poured in. The second Klan could easily be as violent as its Reconstruction-era ancestor, but it was more fraternal and social, though its brand of socializing was restricted to native-born Protestant whites. It supported the recently enacted National Prohibition on Alcoholic Beverages and opposed labor unions, immigration, and foreign entanglements such as the League of Nations. Klan members and leadership disliked Wall Street and big business in general, and chain stores in particular. Said National Klan leader Hiram Evans, Increasing economic inequalities threaten the very stability of society. The rise of industrialism and consumerism presented bewildering changes that the Klan blamed on stereotyped Jewish bankers on Wall Street. Unlike the earlier Klan, or the Klan of the 1960s, the 1920s Klan, although founded in the South, was not exclusively Southern. It boasted support nationwide, primarily in the Midwest. In 1924, more than 40% of all Klan members could be found in just three states, Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois but the Klan also secured significant support in Maine, Colorado, and Oregon, where it helped ban Catholic schools. It enjoyed a small-town base, but also appealed to big-city Protestants, with large chapters in such cities as Chicago, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Dallas, and Indianapolis. In the South, most members were Democrats. In the North, such as in Indiana, most were Republicans, though Milwaukee had a fairly large socialist membership. In small towns, Klan membership often helped cultivate business relationships, or vocational clannishness, as one historian of the Klan phrased it, based on members' desire for trading, dealing with, and patronizing Klansmen in preference to all others. Some were very vocal about advertising not only their business, but also their KKK membership, 
giving their businesses names such as Quick Car Wash, Cars, 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 and Country Kitchen. The Klan's small business members included Kansas City haberdasher Harry S. Truman, though Truman soon thought better of the idea and demanded his $10 back. Of course, the Klan was much more than a social group or business network. It was especially hostile to blacks, Catholics, and Jews. The original Klan had been specifically formed to combat freedoms for freed slaves, and the new Klan continued that trend. As one West Virginia Klan leader proclaimed, the Klan believes in white supremacy. Or as its official national newspaper, The Searchlight, theorized, race forms the basis for all human actions and reactions. The Klan also opposed and disparaged Jews, painting them alternately as predatory capitalists and dangerous radicals. But its main focus was against America's rising Catholic population. Catholic immigrants from Ireland, Italy, Eastern Europe, French Canada, and Southern Germany had poured into the country by the millions in their previous decades, competing with native-born American workers for jobs and driving down wages. Worse for the Klan was that immigrants voted, particularly in the big cities, where they were supposedly supported the crooked political machines, most prominently New York City's notorious corrupt Tammany Hall. The Klan also associated immigrants with drunkenness in saloons in an era of prohibition, as well as being un-American because of their language, food, and customs. The great majority of Klan members were Protestant who feared Catholics because they were convinced the average Catholic was completely under the thumb of his or her parish priests, or worse, a foreign authoritarian church hierarchy led by the Pope. Most Klansmen, noted historian David Chalmers, did not believe that they were opposing Catholics because of his religion, but because the hierarchy control from Rome prevented his assimilation. Or as Alabama U.S. Senator J. Thomas Helfen put it, God has raised up the great patriotic organization, the Klan, to unmask popery. Although not every Klansman was violent, far too many were. Members perpetrated lynchings, arsons, beatings, and whippings. In September 1921, the New York World reported the judgment of a disgusted former Klan member. It would be impossible to imagine an attitude more essentially lawless. Ku Kluxism, as conceived, incorporated, and propagated, and practiced, has become a menace to the peace and security of every section of the United States. Its evil and vicious possibilities are boundless. It has nothing more or less than a throwback to centuries when terror, instead of law and justice, regulated the lives of men. At first, the Klan grew slowly after its 1915 rebirth, but the early 1920s witnessed spectacular growth. Part of its rise may be attributed to the group's enemies. The new liberal New World ran a series of articles exposing the Klan's excesses, but these only gave the organizations free advertising. The House of Representatives investigated the KKK, but again, its membership only grew. On July 4, 1923, an estimated 200,000 Klansmen, women, and children gathered in Kokomo, Indiana to hold mass rallies. In August 1925, nearly 40,000 Klansmen, mostly Northerners, paraded down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. Some said Klan membership reached 8 million by the mid-1920s, but the actual number was somewhere between 2.5 and 4 million. Still, that was enough to make the Klan an organization to be feared not only when it physically threatened blacks, Catholics, and Jews, bootleggers, or local adulterers, adulterers, but also when it burned fiery crosses on deserted hillsides or in front lawns of its opponents, including future radio demagogue Father Charles Coughlin. 
During the decade, it even exercised great power at the ballot box, helping to elect governors in Alabama, California, Oregon, and Indiana. An estimated 75 House members took their seats with KKK assistance in the 1920s. They included Earl Mayfield, a U.S. Senator from Texas in 1922, and future U.S. Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black from Alabama in 1926. In 1924, Democrats gathered at New York City's Madison Square Garden for their national convention. Numerous delegates were Klan members, sympathizers, or people who were simply afraid of alienated, alienating the invisible empire. Anti-KKK forces attempted to pass a condemnation of the organization, but it failed by one vote. Just as quickly as the Klan rose in membership and influence, however, it collapsed. There were many reasons. Some members were embarrassed by the organization's bigotry, some by its silly regalia and ceremonies or its money-grubbing. Others were repulsed by its violence or its hypocrisy. The Klan's most fatal weaknesses was rooted in its poor leadership. The organization claimed to stand for morality, but its leaders provided the worst possible examples. For example, Edward Y. Clark and Mary Elizabeth Tyler, the two Atlanta-based publicists who masterminded the Klan's skyrocketing rise, were soon revealed to have been arrested in 1919 for sexual impropriety and possession of illegal alcohol. Then, with millions of dollars rolling in, infighting for control grew fierce, and Klan founder and Grand Wizard, Colonel William Simmons, found himself ousted by Houston dentist Hiram W. Evans. Evans had allied himself with perhaps the Klan's most successful personality, Indiana Grand Dragon David C. Stevenson. Stevenson, a former socialist and failed Democratic congressional candidate, had quickly engineered a Klan takeover of Indiana's Republican Party. Clearly the most powerful man in Indiana, Stevenson, who said, I am the law in Indiana, viewed himself as a future senator and perhaps even president of the United States. In April 1925, however, the 33-year-old Stevenson forced his aide, 28-year-old Madge Oppenhauser, onto a Chicago-bound train where he assaulted and raped her. She attempted suicide, but her death a few weeks later was ruled to have followed from infection of wounds Stevenson had inflicted on her. A jury found Stevenson guilty of rape, kidnapping, and second-degree murder. The Klan imploded after that. Although popular anti-Catholicism flourished in, the 19, in 1928 when Catholic New York Governor Al Smith unsuccessfully ran for president, the second Klan had long since declined. Its revival after World War II was related to opposition to the growing civil rights movement.